Well, when you have to preach, that's part of the fastest 20 minutes that go by in history. <laughs> but it is awesome to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. And uh, be able to start the new year right here behind the pulpit. That's awesome. Uh, before I get started my message today, I'd like to just say something to you about the Gideon's ministry. Uh, this is not Gideon Sunday for sure, but uh, there is a great need for Gideons in this area in Atlanta County. Uh, we've been losing a couple of them here lately. And the age of those averaging in the you know, 70s and 80s. I am the youngest guy there in the camp. And, uh, but there is a great need. We had one guy this morning, he got to a wreck uh, right downtown in Queen City, right there at the railroad tracks, his name is Lehman. Uh, a car ran the, through the railroad tracks and hit him as he was turning to pass them. But they had to bring the jaws of life to cut him out of the car. He was not harmed or injured. And he did show up, but you just never know. You know, life is so fragile. And even at 6 o'clock in the morning, you wouldn't think there'd be that much traffic on the road to have a wreck like that, but there was in a, in a small town in Queen City. But uh, like I said, uh, if any of you guys might be interested in joining the Gideons or like a little bit more information, just get with me on it. And then uh, I'd like to tell you a lot, share with you about what we do and that kind of thing. But it, it is a awesome work, and uh, I believe there's a lot of people inside this building here that could really help out that ministry for sure. Well, like I said, you know, uh, any visitor here this morning, I think all the faces here are pretty familiar. But uh, my name is Randy, if you are a visitor. I'm just filling in for Pastor Gary this morning. And like I said, it is nice to be behind the pulpit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one thing about being behind the pulpit is it does get you out of your comfort zone. And I feel like the Lord, He calls us to be out of that comfort zone at times. Yeah. We know we can't do the work that we need to do without the Lord on our side and without the Holy Spirit. So uh, this message that I've come up with today, I didn't come up with it, actually the Lord gave it to me a few weeks back. And uh, Pastor Gary had gotten sick and he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to preach. And uh, <laughs> so I was kind of getting prepared and the Lord gave me like three messages at one time. And I'm like, man, any, many, many more, I guess. But uh, I know this message today was definitely for this, this time that I'm here this morning. And uh, the, the sermon title is called Making a Move. You know, if you have your Bibles today, uh, we're going to be reading out of 2 Timothy. Be in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. I'll give you a little bit of time to turn there. It says, I, I charge you in the presence of God of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. It says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. <coughs> you know, I was reading this scripture, it was put on my heart this morning, and I realized that we should be ready at all times. Yeah. And we shouldn't wait. That's a big thing we like to do, wait. <laughs> Just wait a minute, you know. <laughs> we hear it all the time. 
Well, my birthday was back in November, and I got a, a friend got me a new devotional, and it's called A Kingdom Man by Tony Evans. There was a devotional in there about an eagle. It flew over a river one winter and noticed a large chunk of ice floating in the water. The eagle landed on the ice to relax for a minute. But he had eagle eyes so he could see a waterfall up ahead. He could hear the roar of the cascading turn downstream. But he knew he had plenty of time to fly away. So he stayed. But as the eagle stood on the ice, his talons froze to it. As he spread his wings to fly away, he went nowhere. He was stuck. He had waited too long. And he plunged over the falls on his chunk of ice. You know, the question today is, how many of us sit and wait when it comes to doing the work that God has called each of us to do? How many of us in here today have felt the pressure from the Holy Spirit to make a move, but it's like our feet have been glued to the floor? Our mind says go, but our body stands still. A lot of us probably, right? I know I've been there, and I understand. But as I've gotten older, and more mature in my relationship with the Lord, I have come to understand of the urgency to keep moving so that I don't give the glue time to stick or time to cure. We have to keep moving. That's the key. You know, folks, Timothy says to be ready in season and out of season. You know, we live in a fast-paced world. Like I said before, it is designed to pull us away from God. We have to continuously make an effort in our personal lives to stay connected. How many of you in here today has ever played with two magnets? You know the magnets. The other day at work I had two of them in my hand. And of course they stuck to each other and I had to spend quite a bit of time to prime apart. But if you flip them to where the poles of the magnetic field are the same, they push away from each other, right? You know, kind of go away. The cool thing is, if you lay them both in your hand on a flat surface, close to each other, they will find their connecting point. The magnetic field has an attraction, a force that pulls them together. Well, if you think about that, when each one of us committed our life to the Lord, we found an attraction, right? Something led our hearts, our minds, bring us close to Him. There was like a force that drew us close, right? And when each, of us, when each of us felt that force for the first time, we knew that it was something only God could do. It was like a bond like no other. A feeling of one like we've never felt before. We felt connected to our Creator. And, and the overwhelming joy was in our step. We couldn't stand still because we were connected to the power. How many of you remember that feeling? I remember it like it was yesterday. I kind of feel it right now a little bit. <laughs> well, in that time, if in time, if we don't stay ready in season and out, as we go too far away from the force, which is God, we lose the sight. We lose the feeling God near us. The thing is, God doesn't push us away. His plan was and always has been for us to stay connected to Him. Sometimes we stand still and get frozen on the iceberg and we know that there is danger ahead. We can hear the roar of the crowd, the non-believers, and the pressure to stay put. But we have to make the move no matter what is thrown our way. 
It also goes on to say in 2 Timothy 3 through 4, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers Amen. to suit their own passions. We say that a lot today, don't we? And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into many myths. It's happening in churches all around the world today. We hear it all the time. Well, this morning we've talked about things that pull us away from God. But this scripture points it out through the Bible from the Old Testament to the New. People have always tried to disprove, rebuke, and just not listen to truth. We've heard about it on Wednesday nights for the last year in the Bible study. Consistent thing there. One of the most impressive men that I could think of besides Jesus and Paul in the Bible was Stephen. And we can find the story of Stephen in Acts 6 7. And I want to re read y'all a little, about, a little bit about Stephen this morning. <clears throat> uh, Stephen was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. It is also true that there have always been those faithful believers who love, whose love for far and commitment to the Lord seemed to shine through so greatly that others around them noticed it. And Stephen, he was that type of person. Not much is known about his personal life of Stephen, you know, his parents, his siblings, or whether he had a wife or children. However, what is known about him is what's truly important. He was a faithful, even when faced with certain death. Stephen was one of the seven men chosen to be responsible over the distribution of food to widows in the early church. He was basically like a deacon. After a dispute arose and the apostles recognized they needed help, he was also full of God's grace and power. He performed great wonders and signs among the people. And he talks about that in Acts 6, 8. Well, opposition arose, but as the men who argued with Stephen were no match for the wisdom given to him by the Holy Spirit. So the men decided to falsely accuse Stephen, labeling him as a blasphemer and having him arrested. In Acts 7, it's the recording of Stephen's testimony, which is probably the most detailed and concise history of Israel and their relationship to God of any in Scripture. Stephen, he was not concerned about his earthly existence, determining instead to stand firm on the side of Jesus Christ, no matter the consequences. God inspired him to speak boldly, rightly accusing Israel of their failure to recognize Jesus their Messiah rejecting and murdering him as they had murdered Zechariah and other prophets and faithful men throughout their generations. Stephen's speech was an indictment against Israel and their failure as the chosen people of God who had been given the law, the holy things, and the promise of the Messiah. Naturally, these accusations, through, though they were true, were not well received by the Jews. Well, I want you to remember what it said back in 2 Timothy 3 and 4 when it said, For the time is coming when people not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in the midst. That's what these people were doing. Well, in his speech, Stephen reminded them of their faithful patriarch, Abraham, and how God had led them from their pagan land into the land of Israel, where he made a covenant with them he spoke of the journey of his people through Joseph's time in Egypt and their deliverance by Moses 400 years later. He brought to mind 
how Moses had met God in the wilderness at the burning bush. And he explained how God had empowered Moses to lead the people from idolatry and slavery to freedom. And times were refreshing in the promised land. Well, throughout Stephen's bold speech, he repeatedly reminded them on their continual rebellion and idolatry. In spite of the mighty works of God to which they were live witnesses of, thereby accusing them of their own history, which only irritated them until they did not want to hear it anymore. Well, just before the crowd of truth, defying, arrogant, and unredeemed Jews followed the prescribed penalty and began stoning him in Acts 7, 55 and 56. It records his final moments of earthly life. Just before he stepped through the veil between heaven and earth, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. <coughs> we have to remember back in that time, the law of Moses stated that the sin of blasphemy, it deserves a death sentence, usually by stoning. Even though Stephen was speaking truth, he was talking to a people that didn't want to hear. He was talking to people that was stuck on pride, self-control, and dominance of a dysfunctional belief. One that held them captive and one that leads to death. It also goes on to say in Acts 7, 57 through 60, of the moments that the mob of angry men had had enough. It says, but they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Y'all remember that name? As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Sounds like Jesus on the cross, didn't it? Amen, brother. Yep. That was Stephen. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. Died not standing still, but taking a stance on truth. Professing the word and will of God to an arrogant people. He was a man of courage. A man of faith. A man that went the extra mile to make a difference. Stephen died making a move for Christ. That's where we should be. You know, death didn't phase him because he knew where life was. Amen? Amen. Folks, the Bible is full of people making a move for Jesus. The cool thing is, the more that we read it, the more it inspires us to move on God's Word also. You know, as I read the story of Stephen, my thoughts came to me with this. To be honest, there's nothing fair about life. No matter how hard you work, no matter how much time you spend trying to make things right in this world, you will always be on the underside of winning when it comes to the fairy tale mindset that this world betrays. But what I have learned in my short life of 47 years, kind of short, the only way that man can truly lay his head down at night and even have a close concept of winning is by having a relationship with the Lord. Amen. In the end, the world loses. The undeserving grace and mercy that the Lord shows us is beyond the fairest thing that we can ever experience. 
We all have a chance to win, but we just have to choose. Amen? To truly follow Christ, we have to give self to Him in all things, to be committed in all circumstances. The scriptures in Colossians 3, 1 through 4, it explains to me why Stephen did what he did and didn't back down to the crowd. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. It also says in Galatians 2.20, and this is one of my favorite scriptures, I call it my life verse pretty much. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You know, sometimes standing up for God in the eyes of the world may seem like a tragedy to those that don't know Him simply because they don't understand God. But we as Christians and believers know that if we make a move that is led by the Holy Spirit, that somehow, some way, it is part of God's plan. Amen? No matter what happens. You know, just like the scripture in Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord our God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. You know, Stephen's death had the unexpected consequence of facing Christians to, to flee persecution in Jerusalem. But the gospel spread far and wide because of it. <clears throat> we have to remember that the full impact of the moves we make of our lives may not be felt until decades after our death. God's work is constantly unfolding and goes forth in His time, not ours. But in order for our lives to have an impact on those that we come in contact with, we have to stand firm in our move with our belief and spread the word of Jesus to all that is around us, no matter what we're faced with. Going back to Stephen, he chose to go beyond, to speak truth, and truth is not what they wanted. They wanted control, but man can't control God. Amen? Amen. Stephen won by making a move on his belief of Jesus Christ. He won by staying connected to God. You know, just like it said in our scripture reading in 2 Timothy 4 and 5, as for you, always be sober-minded, sober-minded, Endure suffering. Do not work. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Well, Stephen did just that. He endured the suffering all the way into death, and by doing so, he fulfilled his ministry. Not only that, but if you go back to Acts seven sixty, it says, "And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, Saul of Tarsus, who watched and witnessed the murder." Saul went on to persecute Christians, we know that, until the day on that road to Damascus when Jesus showed up and changed his life forever. Amen. Amen. You know, Saul, he was converted. And it said that Paul's fire for Christ would mirror Stephen's from that day forward all the way until his death. 
Like I said earlier, Stephen was the first Christian martyr. Saul witnessed the first Christian death of Stephen. An innocent man making a move, speaking the truth to the lost. Paul carried that with him, and he did the same thing. Going back to the eagle on the block of ice, he took a break. He stood still too long. He could see the, see the danger ahead, but didn't realize the danger that he put himself in. And relying on his own power, his own strength, he didn't realize that the way of the world, which was the ice, was going to carry him to his death. And it did. Well, today, it's your choice. A choice to make a move. A choice to be bold. Even in the eyes of stiff-necked people, there's a lot of them outside. Amen. A move to see glory, because even though physical death is upon all of us, we all have a chance to an everlasting life with our Lord. But that depends on the move that only you can make. <clears throat> you know, it's a new year. It could be a new you. A question we need to ask ourselves is, do you want to make a move or do you want to stay still? Stay in the same place you were last year. Still, stuck. Well, in Job 17, 9, it says the righteous keep moving forward. Amen. And we need to keep moving forward, folks. Can't stand still. We've got to also think about the magnetic force again. <laughs> is, the world, is the world pushing you away from God like an opposite magnetic force? Today, you just have to remember, if you turn the right direction toward Him, you will connect again. Mm -hmm. It's up to you to make that move towards Him. Guys, we all know we have a Savior. Jesus Christ came to earth, <clears throat> spoke truth, gave us, us the way to defeat the world by dying on the cross. He made a bold move to save each one of us. Today, Jesus knows you. The biggest question you've got to ask yourself is, do you know Him? Would you stand, please? Here. Listen. Same for us. Uh, it's going to be a little different. Off story call this morning. Please come down and feel that. Be prayed for. You got to give something up. You feel like you need to make a move, <coughs> taking a step of faith down this aisle. Come down and pray. Because I'm telling you, folks, this right here is where change happens. Is at this altar. You know, this message was short today. It was brief. But hey, we got to make a move for the Lord. And it's up to each one of you guys to do your part of doing that. I can't do it for you, Pastor Gary, but Gary can't. The Lord's, if he's prompted you today to make a move down here, come down and pray, please. I'll just preface this song by saying, um, you know, they say that uh, the Lord doesn't move away from you. It's it's us that move away from him. Um, I don't know if you've ever been that, to that spot, but sometimes when you move away from the Lord, it's, so hard to try and find your way back. It's almost like you are the eagle stuck on, you know, the iceberg, basically. But um, that is exactly where the devil wants you to be, though. You just have to remember that. That sometimes 
you just have to whisper, God, I need you to move to me. I just need you to move, please, so I can move. And that's what this song is.
I thank you for listening to my message, the message today. I pray that uh, each one of you feel encouraged to, to make a move in this new year. Like I said, it's a choice that you have to make. Only you can do that. But uh, one thing about it is, if you're faithful, you take that one step. Lord got you back. Okay? He's not going to leave you there by yourself. So I want to leave you one scripture today for a close it out. It's, uh, it's in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone. And the new is here. Amen. I just want to tell you all Happy New Year. And uh, let this be the year that you see big things happen with the Lord on your side. Amen. He's a big God. He's got a lot of power. <laughs> like I said earlier in the message, you can trust a little bit in that of that in you. You'll go a long ways with him. So, uh, Brother A.D., would you close us out today, please, sir? Almighty God, Father and Creator of all things, thank you, Lord, for this message this morning. Thank you for your presence that we can feel. We ask you, O oh God, to heal these people that have been mentioned. We know you can, that it is your will, Lord, that whatever we ask in your name is promised in your word, Lord. Bless these lives. <coughs> Touch the people that need uplifting, that need raised up, Lord. Help us, O oh God, to seek you to search for righteousness and truth, Lord, that we might diligently study and understand your word, Lord, to know what your plan is for us. Thank you, O oh God, for those that are here. Help those that are not here to be dedicated, to be determined, Lord, no matter what comes in their lives, to come to praise and worship you. Thank you, Lord, that you have been in our presence today. Go with us as we go home or wherever we go. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Keep your hand on us. Guide us, direct us in all things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we get too started, wasn't that a wonderful message this morning? Amen. You know, sometimes we get to thinking we're we're doing enough for God and we just going to church and just saying the blessing and, and, and doing doing things like that. We think, well that's good enough, but it's not ever good enough, is it? We can we can always do more. Brother Donald, you want to open us in a prayer, please? Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you. <clears throat> For this uh, wonderful day you've blessed us with. Thank you, Father, for uh, allowing us to be able to come together in your, in your house and, Father God, and worship and praise you. I pray, Father God, for our leaders. Uh, I pray that they would seek you with all their hearts, Father God. I pray, Father God, that your spirit would move mightily across this nation. There'd be a, a great revival, Father, that the world has never seen or known. I pray, Father God, for the sick, the, the afflicted around about us. I pray, Father God, that if it be thy will, lay your hand upon them and touch them and heal them. I pray, Father God, that you would give Brother Troy the words to speak tonight, open up our hearts and minds, and give us tender, receptive hearts. <coughs> I pray, Father, that you forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings, for all these things last in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I've said it before, you know, I've kind of, you know, a big picture kind of person. I, I tend to jump to the, the big picture of things, and it served me well. I made a good living at it, and 
But one thing on the Bible I've tried to do in the last year or so is to really slow down and read something. And so I, I spent a whole lot of time by myself. So, uh, so I get to ponder stuff, and I got to studying. And I, I thought tonight when I was sitting, and I thought, man, they not, they may not want to hear what, what the Lord put on me as far as how much it impressed me. And then when I heard some of the testimonies, I, I'm like, okay, okay, good Lord, I got, I got this. Uh, I want to look at something we've all looked at in Psalms uh, 23. And I've read it a hundred times and I, I read it and I wrote and I thought about it and I got to looking up stuff and you know how you just kind of wander off and wander back and that's kind of what I did on this. And I, I learned some things y'all probably might not know but, but I want to share them with, or might know but I want to share them with you again. But uh, We all know the, the shepherd's prayer. I want to mostly look as, uh, well, I started one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His name I sake. This is the one I want to stop at tonight. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, the shadow of death, I'm sorry, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I got to thinking about that. And you know, you notice that he says, uh, in the shadow of death. <clears throat> well, I got to reading and studying, and there, there is a, actually a, a, a valley they call the shadow of death. Uh, the real name, okay, Donna, here I go, is Wadi Kilt. And it's a pass between, it goes from Jerusalem to Jericho, and it's real narrow. And the only time that this path has sun on it is when it's straight up. And David that wrote this, he knew that. So he's, he's telling us that, look, when I walk, it's hard to do sheep like that. Any of y'all ever had chickens or any kind of birds? You know how you put your, eye, your hand over a chicken and he'll go to sleep? Well, a sheep is exactly opposite of that. When a sheep gets dark, they evidently lose their minds. They get scared. That's when. That's the only time really something eats them is at nighttime, and they look. They they hard to control. So these sheep, they come out of these pastures, these fields, and they walk through this valley, and only get an hour of sun in a day, and they must be hard to contain. That shepherd has to work hard, and David knew this, and and you know David didn't know Jesus, right? He knew God, but he didn't he didn't know Jesus, but he knew that he knew that shepherd and. Uh, I thought that was funny because how do we act when we're in a valley? How do we act when things get rough? Miss Debbie, have you had a valley in the last few years? Several. You know, who hasn't? I thought I'd be real smart. I'd say, well, I'm going to go through here and find out some find some of God's people that had valleys. That would be a good, a good thing to talk about. Yeah, Adam did. And, and almost everybody God used had a terrible valley. Yeah. And I... And I think we've all had valleys. Donna and I one time got invited to a, was a friend of mine, and I'm not here to to uh, talk bad about any other religious organization, but it was a different kind of thing. And they had a prophet there. And I'm real leery, and my Bible says, be careful because many false prophets will come. And, and it was a more active church than Amen, okay? They had some runners, and it was just a real exciting thing going on there, a whole lot of it. I think I've told you all before, it's when some people ran and kind of 
my little boy thought they were racing. Well, they had the prophet there, and I'm and I'm and don't don't misunderstand what I'm going for here, but me and Donna we're kind of like this is this is kind of different than we've been before. So the so the guy gets up and he comes down through there and he grabs a hold of me and says, "This guy here's." had a lot of problems in life, and he's trying to get them all straight. I was 100% true. I'm, you know, mid-20s, late-20s maybe. Uh, I've been in the valley. I've had some valleys. And that, that didn't confirm that he was a prophet in my eyes, but uh, it was a no-fail situation. I think, I think we've, all, we've all had them. But how we respond, how do we act in the valley? I... I it's easy to come to church and we're all in an environment where people's being nice to each other, you know. And uh, But when we get out there and things get rough, how do, how do we respond? What do we look for? You know, when you have a family member uh, pass away or, or um, Lord forbid, children are getting sick and, and those things like that, sometimes we're so focused on that, we're in that dark valley, we can't see the light, and we, and we and we just lose it. I mean, we, we lose what we what we ought to be found at the end the hardest. Amen. And that's when you really ought to ought to be there. You know, we we ask silly things. Why why is God doing this to me? He's not doing that to you necessarily. Maybe, but it's it's that valley. And what keeps the sheep straight in the valley is the same thing that should keep us straight. <coughs> the shepherd. It amazes me that David knew the, the shepherd, their, their jobs, and he was describing our Lord Jesus the same way. Jesus says, I am a shepherd. Uh, most important thing is, if, if we're mature and we hold together in the valley, like Miss Debian said, and, and we, we keep seeing God, how do we treat other people in the valley? Or, and can you tell can, can you tell if I'm in the valley or not? I mean, we're all up here smiles and stuff, but what do you do? You know what I'm thinking about? You know, we've had some people like that Robin Williams guy, you know. I, I wouldn't have thought he'd kill himself. He made me laugh. You know, the people people get this way. You'd never know it if you walked up to somebody at the Easy Mart and they shortchange you a dollar and you throw a fit. They may be in the biggest valley that you ever think. And as a Christians, that's what we need to, to learn because you can't see it. So how do you treat people? How, how do we? We should treat them like they're always in the valley. We should always try to lift people up and, and encourage them. Uh, be honest with them. You know, we can't, we can't be in the valley because you're doing something against God's will. I mean, you can't have a homosexual. I hate you're in the valley. Let me show you how you can get out of the valley, but you can't agree with the reason they might be there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so we got to be we got to be careful. Do you think the country's in a valley? Amen. You know, we talked about that water go. Ain't, ain't it something? What they're they're not we're not repenting as a nation. We're just going. We can, we can we can do better. We can do better. Well, we messed up there. We killed a few million people. We can do better than that. But none of us, none of the country as a whole, the church is, but. We're turning away. We're not going, Lord. I'm sorry. What, what are we doing wrong? You know why? Why are you putting Corona on us? Why are you do, repenting from it? You know we're just not as a country. We're in a valley, and 
we're not looking up. We, uh, well, we could talk about how bad it is forever. I, I wish, I wish there was, I wish there was a way. I wish we had signs on us, you know, to say. I, I know I've said some things that hurt people's feelings. That, you know, they were in a terrible low spot in their lives. Um, Bible also calls them mountains. You know, mountains is something that's in the way. I, I, I've talked about it before. I'd like to flip over to Mark four thirty-eight. What? Mark chapter 4 and I keep always coming back to this and <coughs> we started 37 so Jesus just got through doing some miracles and he's kind of tired I'm sure he was wore out and he said let's get in the boat and we're going to go on to the other side and, there were, and while they're out there in the boat, 37 says there's a big, a great storm of winds and waves, and it beat the ship so that it was full. 38 says, and, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest not that they would perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I always get this one because the Lord's in the back of the boat, and they say it's raised usually. And he's not just nodding off cowboy style, okay? He got a pillow. He is curled up going to sleep. I watched a movie here a while back, and it's stupid. It was about somebody stole a painting, and he couldn't remember where it was. But they panned the room. And there was a whole bunch of, when he finally found it, there was a whole bunch of paintings in there. And this painting had nothing to do with the movie, but I had to pause the TV because it was a picture of this, this, that some famous guy had done. And it's this little wooden boat, and I have in my mind what rough waves look like, and I'm sure y'all do too, but this was a little wooden boat, and I'm talking about waves. Y'all ever seen the, how Gulf of Mexico even can get? It, it's, it's scary. And his little boat's just flipping like that, and I could just picture Jesus back there asleep, a, a sound asleep on him. And what did they do? What was their reaction to this? They, they woke the shepherd up. They panicked. Wake him up. And you think Jesus didn't know there was a storm <clears throat> going on? What did he want from him is to, is to wake me up. And if you'll notice, that Jesus said, get in the boat. So they're doing what God wants them to do, right? He said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Same thing we do, right? We, you can be following God close and still have a valley, still have some problems. But what we've got to remember is who's in charge of all this stuff? Yeah. You know, who, can, uh, who can do that? Who can, who can stop the wind? Who can stop pain? And when we do have that pain, we don't turn our back on the shepherd. You know, they're wet, they're cold, they think they're fixing to die. First thing they do is wake up our own. What they should have done, I guess, is curl up on the pillow beside him and, and rest, you know, because he got he's that kind of in control. Yeah. I, I wish I wished I I wished I could be like that all the time. Because I've been out there in some rough in you know, a two hundred foot boat that felt like it was this big. And you imagine a little 
a little boat, and, was, and it's already half full of water. Uh, I heard the other day on the radio this professor was trying to teach his class about values, priorities. I hate to word, use the word priorities because they priorities change, right? You get up this morning, you thought you was going to come to church, and you got dressed, and somebody got sick, your priorities change real fast. It's just how it happens. But our values, where we come from, they'll never, never change. So he had a big old jar, and he had a they must have been Yankees because they said pebbles, big people, right? And a rock. And he was saying, you know, how can we put this in the jar that they all fit? Well, they put the pea gravel in there first, and then the, the rock wouldn't fit. There's no way it would fit in there. And then the, the professor showed them. He put the rock, big rock in there, and he put the pea gravel on top, and he'd shake, and he'd go around that big rock, and, and he filled it plumb to the top. And his idea was put your priorities, your big stuff, first. So when you're in the valley, that's what we should be doing. We should always be building around what the good Lord's got for us, for, of Him. We should be building around Him. And that, that has struck me because, you know, when you get into a bind, you got all these little pig around and you're trying to gather them up, the rock. The rock is what we build around. I think that's when Jesus said, uh, that's, a, that's the rock I build my church on. That's what He's talking about. You build, you build around it. It should be that that important to us. Up in Montana, man, I hate to look this up, but when I worked in Malta, Montana, for over a year or so, back and back and forth, it's right up next to Canada, and uh, it's not the pretty part of Montana with the mountains and the Yellowstone and all that. It's, and it's pretty, but it's flat as far as I can see. Y'all ever been been up there? I mean, it's flat. You can see and see, and then you go along. And I was going down the road, and there's these little uh, rocks piled up on top of each other, and they're they're real tall. And I asked the guy pumper that was with us. I said, "What is that?" And he said, "They call those shepherd monuments, or shepherd seats." And I said, "Really?" So he got to tell him about it. We looked them up again because I couldn't remember something. They call them uh, Johnny Rocks. They have several names for them. But these uh these shepherds are out there bored watching a bunch of sheep and they pick up these rocks out there and they start and they build a little pyramid and and, it, and they do it for several reasons some of them's to mark where water is and things like that but they found out hey i can sit up there on top of that and the sheep will see me i can see them and and it makes the sheep calm and it's real cool i got to see them with my own eyes there's uh ever you know four or five miles you'll see one of some size and that, that reminds me of the valley there. You know, if you, if you just put Jesus up on that on that rock and, and look at him, the sheep calm down. I know you're watching me. They know everything's everything's calm. But I thought that was real neat to see uh, to see something like that. Y'all <clears throat> uh, y'all look it up when you get home. I think we need to be careful about. I, I, Brother Gary's got me every time the sun comes up, I'm looking to the east. I, I guess in my mind, I think the good Lord's going to come in the morning because that's the sunrise when I see He may come in. And I know we should look to the east. Um, our Bible tells us, always be ready, always be ready. But when you're in a valley, you know, when I started this up here this morning or this evening, so far the good Lord ain't came back yet. He's going to. But so far, He... he in this last few seconds, he hadn't came back yet. Yeah. So where do we need to look at? We need to look at the shepherd. 
We need to see, we need to look at him all the time. Now, I'm, I'm not saying don't look to the east. Like I said, you're here to interrupt me. I've got word now every morning when I go by his house. I'm like, I hope he's up to see that, which he might not be. But then we ought to look for, for God coming. We ought to be ready. Y'all not be doing things thinking God comes right now, sees me doing this, he sees you anyway. But we're in that valley, and it's bad, and it's low. I mean, none of us have lived this long and not seen parents die or, or someone that we love die. We're in a valley of the shadow of death. Not death, but the shadow of death. It's, we gotta we gotta be looking at the ship. Because he's gonna pull us he's gonna pull us through that. Um, I like the I like the part about at the end of it when he talks about his rod and his staff. Not, I've seen the pictures years, and y'all probably already knew this. I didn't know this either. You know, they, Moses and got the big cane on his staff, and it's real tall. The shepherd uses that to reach in and get them sheep. See, those sheep out there are real woolly and nasty. They don't look like our sheep down at the petting zoo. And they get hung up in them woods. And you can't just reach in there and grab a sheep by the neck and jerk him out. You kill it. So what that shepherd would do, he'd reach in there real slow and he'd kind of wiggle him around, he'd ease him around, he'd ease him around, and he'd get him out of that bite. That's the way our shepherd does us. You have someone pass away, you don't you don't get jerked out of that, that stays with you. Stay with you for life. My, my, my father's birthday was today. Not the whole not the whole best father in the world, but it's mine. That's what I had. That's what that's what raised me. And I'll, uh, I'll always remember We've all had them. We don't forget them, but we, but we move on. Because our shepherd is leading us on to where we need to be. So whenever we're in a big green pasture, if you're not, uh, if you're not in the valley, you, you're going to get there. That's, you have to. And it kind of goes with Randy. If you're, the only way not to go through the the shadow, the valley of, the, of death, or the shadows just don't move at all. So if those sheep don't move, they sit over here and eat up all the grass, they're going to die anyway. So we, we need to move. We need to be ready to move through those, through those tough areas. Um, sometimes, sometimes we're the shepherd to others. You know, sometimes people are looking for us, looking at us. And uh, I know we can say some jokes, not mean cruel things or anything, and, and end up hurting someone's feelings. But we, we need to be that shepherd. We need to see, we do it with our children. You know, we see them make bad choices. We don't just, oh, let me take care of you. We, well, come on now, we, we can do better than that. The Lord expects a little more of us than that. I heard that too, what is that? <laughs> Kid? Oh, yeah. I didn't wear my hair today because I can't hear and talk at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of my message for tonight. I know we're, it was short and sweet. Uh, I could probably stand up here and just ramble on, but uh, I think that's what we need to do. Is I don't know that's what I need to do. Is is remember when you're in that valley to keep your eyes on the shepherd. He pulls you through. Bible's got a million illustrations. Uh, would he go out for one sheep? You know, our shepherd would leave the whole flock for one of us. Uh, and I, 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 I find 
I find peace in that, knowing that, that we can we can count on that. We're in that valley. Look straight up. Look at the ship. That's that's really all I have just today. Uh, kind of, I talked a lot faster. Spell that name that you called that valley. I can do better. I can even spell it. It's W A D I G I D D I. And it's Q E. I don't have no U in it. Q E L T. Q E L T. 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 Must be Latin. And it goes from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho. I think that same trail that talking about, you know, the Red Sea that's that's so steep and narrow, and the, and they have to the sheep follow the shepherd, you know, and and it's real rocky, and sometimes the sheep fall off the edge, you know. And right. It's just a really treacherous trail. Well, I, we're reading about it. It's not just a, it's, you're not just going through a valley that the walls go straight up. They curve like this, so it's very little sun that goes goes through there. But sheep eat so much they had head would have to move. And David knew this, and when he wrote that, you know, I thought, well, that's a cool way to say it. But if you think about, it, David was a shepherd, and he knew how sheep act when they go through there. I I didn't know. I got I got so smart on sheep. I think I want one, <laughs> but they. Uh, but evidently at nighttime is when they when they really get restless. And I'll you know say it again, that's when we get restless. Not physically dark, but in dark when dark times. I mean if they hear the, the wolves and animals. Right, that's whenever that's when everything gets after them. They can't see. Right. You know, and the shepherd he knows it's not dark. He knows it's daylight. He's like dumb sheep. They just they just won't listen to him. They depend on the shepherd to keep them safe. Absolutely. Well, guys, I hate that was uh, quite so short and sweet, but uh, that's that's, that's been my thought this this, this week, and uh, I can't carry everything else I thought on this same subject because y'all would really think I was doing anything, but but it, it is it is neat to uh, that our Lord had those plans, and uh, I know since I've been going to church here. You know, we've we've seen valleys. I mean, we've had COVID goes around. We've had surgeries. You know, we've had we've had deaths, and and uh, our children. We've had sick problems, and we've had a lot. And we all go through valleys. And uh, um, I think that's that's what encourages that. What keeps us moving on through that. Anybody anything to say about that? Yes, sir. Go ahead, Obi. Oh, I'm just gonna say that. Uh, there's a parallel that goes along with this, and I'm not trying to change anything, but I'm just saying one of the most inspirational talks I've ever heard was from Lou Holtz. If y'all know who he is, football coach. He came out here to IP and gave a, a speech uh, to lift people up, to encourage people, and one of the things he said in that speech was, don't judge somebody till you walk a mile in their shoes. Mm -hmm. And that, that struck me so hard. Yeah. And every time now that I think about, Lord, give me a humble spirit. Help me to understand and not to respond the way I used to, mm -hmm. but to respond with humility and love for people because you don't understand what valley they're going through. Yeah. You have no clue where they just came from. An hour ago, 
And the reason he wanted to chew your head off had nothing to do with what you said. He was just already sitting on go. Right. And Lou Holt said that that stuck <coughs> with me. And every time I think about, Lord, give, help me to be more humble. That goes through my mind. Don't judge somebody till you walk a mile in their shoes. That's right. Or don't talk about the shepherd until you've been one. We had, I went to a church one time that had a live, real Montana shepherd that he and his wife were, you know, this was wagon days, wagon train stuff, but he and his wife had set out in Montana and, and, and it got to snowing so hard <coughs> the horse couldn't pull the wagon anymore. They didn't know what they were going to do. He said, I, uh, <coughs> he said hey, I, I just didn't know what to do. It was so white out, we couldn't even see anything. It was still snowing so hard, he said, so I told my wife, we just got to pray about it, I'm going to go find some help. He said, I couldn't even see the horse that was tied to the wagon. It was snowing so hard, he said, but you know what? When I stepped out by faith and said, I'm going to find somebody, I stumbled up on another wagon. <laughs> and some more people looking for the same thing. So yeah. You never know. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter how bad it gets. This old man, I'm sure they passed on. They were in the 90s then, 80s, 90s then. But that, that always struck me. The faith to get out of a wagon, knowing most likely you're going to freeze to death if you don't make it back, if you even find a way to make it back. All right. And then there it is. He stumbled up on some way, some answer to his problem. It's hard to hang on to those prayers, but by faith we've got to. The yeah, I mentioned the people out. that you know that don't even know about the ship. Right, right. You know that's the ones that hurt because because they're like the sheep running down through the canyon, bouncing off the walls and and see no no light in sight. You know they they have nothing to call them, nothing right. to take care of them. And that's the ones I I feel sorry. I mean I feel sorry for anybody going through a valley. But the ones that don't know the shepherd at all, that's got to be scary. You know, I'm not trying to, well, I guess I am. The, the once saved, always saved. The people that don't believe that at all, I would be terrified to put my feet on the floor every morning thinking, boy, the first time I think something wrong, I'm out of heaven. You know, and not that we can do that, like Brother Gary says all the time, we have to say, we have to repent for that, but wouldn't that be a scary life? That would be a, a terrifying life to think if I make a mistake, if I say something wrong, if I think the wrong thought, if I get mad at the wrong time, I'm out. And, there, and there's religions that believe that's got to be scary to me. And I'm, I'm not dogging religions, I'm not lifting them up. I just, that, I believe that with all my heart. Uh, I would be terrified. And if I had to go outside or walk through a valley without the shepherd, uh, I've seen people crumble. When I, me and three guys, here I go, but uh, me and three other people, uh, when our company, of course we were getting old, because they don't, don't tell you getting old, right? But uh, when we parted ways with the company, we all acted different, every one of us. One of us. One of them almost went into a depression. I mean, he had to go to the hospital, you know, because he had a job for 30-something years and didn't have one. Me, 
I was terrified. I hit the next run, and I got so much work, I couldn't possibly achieve it all. I worked myself in the ground, and my other buddy, which is probably the most mature Christian uh, in Illinois, he said, I think I'll take a year off and just kind of figure out what I want to do, you know? And, and we all had the same valley. It's how we reacted to it. I, I'm sorry, I got the rat on my lips. Right. Jay, I want to add something, too, about your sheep. In the valley, what it is, you have the good times which are clear, but that's the time that the shepherd has to get to know his sheep. And when he has that corral for the sheep, or whatever pen you want to call it, he has to gather them in in the good times, way before dark. And they're not wanting to go in before dark. But he's got to teach them and lead them in. If he doesn't have control of them, when he gets to that valley, he goes crazy. Wow. And then not only is the shepherd in trouble because of his sheep, every other shepherd that is hibbled up because they can't get through it because your sheep are all everywhere. Yeah. And they've got to let theirs go and come help you and get the narrow passage clear it out so they can go through it. And so the good shepherd knows how to do it, but he has to know how to do it because he knows his sheep. And more importantly, his sheep know him. Right. That's why they can put them to the pen early enough to put them in and close it and cut and shut everything down. When they're saying, wait a minute, I'm happy this grass here. I don't want to go to that pen. But after a while, they know the father of the shepherd right. and they do what he says and that's, that's the true. other side of this narrow valley there's a wide valley there where we get to know the sheep and the sheep get to know the shepherd that's so good, please yeah. whenever you're in good times don't forget the lord grab hold of him and keep him with you oh, that's right that's good that's good i think uh you know there's two things i think about one thing when you're, I think it's a test a lot of times of your faith. You know, we're going, the Lord never promised us a bed of roses, you know. And it's a test of our faith. And I, what I think about when, well, I, I fell and got hurt, you know, and I was down for a year. And I, I would be moaning and groaning, and, and I, I talked to a guy one day that went during that time, and I, I crushed my foot and, uh, or shattered it and like lost my leg and all this stuff. And I, I had a, whole year. Well, in fact, I was on Walker for nearly a year. Vicky had to do the lawn mowing and all this. But I talked to a guy one day. I had the store up there, and he came in there. He's a regular customer. And uh, he had, uh, I don't know how it happened, but he had chopped off half of his foot. Long ways. He just had half of foot, one side of his foot. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, there's people that are going through a lot worse. Anytime that we get, think we're bad, having it bad, there's always somebody going through a lot Amen, worse. brother. And you, you know, you might that. be sick with COVID and having a rough time, but there's somebody that's got cancer having a rougher time. That's right. You know, we got to look at that. I, I look at, at this life as a test of our faith and our serving the Lord and how we handle this life as our future life. Right. And uh, I don't know, it, it's a... Uh, I, I just think uh, we we just got to look at it as a uh, experience of life. Absolutely, but it, it's hard without 
keep keeping the eye and getting to know, like you said, getting to know you know our, our, our shepherd. Uh, I'd hate to try it. One of my favorite sayings is "This two shall pass." You know, yeah. and that's why you have to look at it just like Debbie had it rough. You know, she had a rough year, but it has passed. She don't forget uh, her husband, but she's moving on with her life. And you know, we go through battles. And we learn things in the battle. That's right. We don't understand why we go through a certain valley at a certain time. But sometimes that valley is to prepare you for the next valley. Absolutely. And that valley is to prepare you for the deepest valley. Makes you stronger. Makes you, it, it makes you depend on the Lord. You know, because when Martin had the big heart attack and we've sat in ICU for a week. I'm like, Lord, why are we doing this? Why? I watched him die three times. Three times. Why? To prepare me for the night that I would have to do CPR on him and watch him go and not return. Lord, why did you take me through that? To prepare me to allow me to be ready for. That's right. You know, so sometimes you go through things and you don't understand <laughs> that moment. But I tell you, when I, when I said goodbye to him that night, I knew clear as a bell why the year prior, why I had had so many things happen to me. I knew because God was preparing me for that moment. And because you walk through the valley and you put your eyes on the shepherd and you let his staff comfort you and pull you through that tough time, he eventually brings you blessings. Whether you're looking for those blessings or not, he knows what you need before you know what you need. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you know, Miss Debbie is... Uh, as, as sad as it is, um, my heart goes out to anybody that's been in that. But, but my, I guess the whole point I'm trying to make is that, that people don't have that shepherd. They don't, they don't have that light to them. And it's up to us not to save them. It's not up to us to make sure they go to heaven. It's up to us to make to, for the introduction. It's up to us to say, I know something that'll help you through that. I know you're in a hard time here. Plant that seed, brother. You know, that, that's all our job is. Uh, and you have those valleys, and you have those experiences. And then you talk to somebody, and you know, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how I made it. Let me tell you how you <laughs> <laughs> It opens a door for you to be able to say, let me tell you how. That's right. Let me tell you who brought me through because I didn't do it by myself. <coughs> Absolutely. You know, so every every valley prepares you for something, and for nothing else than to share God with someone at some point in time. That's right. That's right. To bring Him glory and honor. And you know, God God's ways on our ways. We don't think like that. If if God chose to take someone I love away from me. To take them to heaven, just so that I'd have the ability to get somebody else <coughs> to show somebody else the way to heaven. That looks that looks unfair to us on him. Yeah. 
Man, why would you take somebody I love to make me a, be a different person? To but on God's view, that's a win-win. Mm -hmm. He didn't He didn't hurt that person and die. He took them to glory. And so we got to think like that. The 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 big picture is is we all get there. Amen. Look at the life of Job. You know, we need to have the faith of Job. Well, I certainly appreciate y'all listening to me, and I, I didn't mean to make anyone sad or anything. It's not my intention. Um, I appreciate y'all letting me come up here. I know we could do we could do better, but uh, uh, we we can't do better with the Lord we serve. Mr. Jeremiah, would you uh, would you just anybody got anything else to say? Oh, are you going to stand up by yourself? Yeah, we're all going to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Lord, I pray that we've heard two great sermons today. I just pray that we take them to heart. Lord, I pray that we have the courage, we have the boldness to go out there and share our story with people. To lead them to Christ. Just help those lost souls out there find a better way. Lord, as we leave here tonight, I just pray we keep everyone safe through the week. We get them all back next week. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't you take this with you? Oh, that's, that's, some, that's some questions I got. Okay.